Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. How you doing? I've missed you. Are you living, loving, and learning? I hope you are. And this episode is a grief survival guide episode. We go deep into it with myself It's me, myself, and I, and everything that I have experienced this past year, having lost my mom, and just the accumulation of everything that I've experienced. But before we get into that, I'm going to ask you, can you please go to the YouTube page and click like and subscribe, subscribe to my channel, youtube.com forward slash Jessie Mae Peluso. We've got the video to the podcast there, as well as a bunch of fun clips, and we're posting new stuff every day. And don't forget, you can call into the podcast. We'll answer your questions. We'll give you some advice. 513-916-0930. Give us a call and you will have your question answered on the actual podcast. Lucky you. Look at you. Grabbing life by the horns and taking an opportunity. I am very excited for this episode because it's long overdue. Well, actually not long overdue. It's right on time. I was able to be a guest at this past weekend's Unleash the Power Within seminar and event Mr. Tony Robbins put on in Palm Beach, which was mind-blowing. Blew my socks off. Blew everything off. It was uh, mind-blowing. Everything got blown to bits. (laughs) I am a shred of who I was. (laughs) I am standing here in skeleton form. to let you know I have been completely shredded to shards of who I once was only to rebuild myself again it was absolutely I don't even know how the fuck I survived he needs to sell shirts that say I survived Tony Robbins because man that motherfucker's got more energy than the sun and I I said it before, I'll say it again, it's impossible to bottle his energy. It would shatter whatever enclosure it was in. I was lucky enough to be a part of that. And I say that because it is very important to what this weekend meant to me and how this weekend sort of came about 
And I talk all about that on this episode. It is a grief survival guide episode and it is not an interview with Mr. Tony Robbins, but it might as well be. And I'm going to get him on the podcast. But before we do that, I hope you enjoy this episode with the one, the only Miss Jessie Mae Peluso. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey everybody. She's here. She's (laughs) She's here. She's cute. She's shutting off the fucking microphone how is everybody it's been a hot minute since it's just been me in my vulnerability on the podcast and in life if I'm being truthful not that I haven't accessed my vulnerability it's being aware to what's really going on and what has really been going on the past I gotta move this fucking light what is this thing doing here Okay, get that out of the way. I didn't like that. I didn't like the way it looked. Um, It's been a hot minute. And this is like the ultimate grief survival guide episode because it's been a full year since my mother has passed. And I'm going to tell you about my weekend. I was invited to go to a Tony Robbins seminar, his Unleash the Power Within, UPW at Palm Springs uh, beach convention center, but I had to admit something to myself. And I admitted this to myself the week before I went to the seminar and maybe even before I knew I was going to the seminar, I had awareness of it, but I hadn't expressed it out loud. And what I admitted to myself verbally out loud was, and this may come as a shock to some of you, was that I am, I was very depressed. And I know it, in this culture, it might seem like it's a popular thing to say. I'm not saying it to be popular or to hop on a train or to be a part of a movement. I in no way want anyone's sympathy. I am in no way trying to make myself be a part of something popular. I literally within my core, there's the emotional police coming to get me. I don't know if you could hear it. I don't know. I've upgraded my microphone. So I'm not used to like not hearing every nook and cranny shift in the house. I at my core through and through have felt depressed. And I didn't know that until I actually exclaimed it out loud until I said it and heard myself say it. And I think I was actually in my bathroom and I said it and I was like, fuck. 
fuck. <laughs> Not me. Me? Little old me? Jesse May motherfucking Peluso is depressed? No, 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 Not me. Not me. You know, I'd always look at people who said they were depressed like, oh, God, that must suck. Yeah. Uh, um, no one is impervious to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's It's been a real emotion that I have felt. And I think it comes at the heels of having experienced so much these past few years. Now, when we talk about grief, it's normally associated with the death of a loved one. I think traditionally when we think of grief on a more common level, we think of someone dying. But grief is associated with trauma. It's associated with the loss of a job, the loss of uh, a relationship, the loss of a dog, um, the loss of a, a game. Grief isn't just mutually exclusive with death. And when I look at my life, the accumulation of my life and things that have happened to me, I think subconsciously I've been living in a way as someone who has experienced these things. In other words, I'm living in a way that is because of things that have happened to me, which can sort of be like a victim mentality. Even though I've been successful in doing things in my life to combat that, I still didn't realize that I was stepping out in a way and thinking things in a way that validate that victim mentality. When you look at the entirety of my life and the things that I've experienced, which I've been very open about in other podcasts and on this podcast, that's sort of the nature of Sharp Tongue, why I started it, even though the first episode is called, um, I think it's called Butthole Bleach and My Dad. I, I think that's the first episode, <laughs> which is very telling about why and how I talk about what I talk about. Um, I, I honestly have been, have experienced a lot. In, in, in you are not what you experience, and that most people live that way. Most people live as if their experiences have defined them, and that's the victimhood of going through trauma. That's really, you know, it defines you and it gives you a purpose. Your, your trauma becomes your purpose, and that's not the healthy way to live. It's a coping mechanism. You're living from survival in that place. You're not thriving in that place. You can't thrive in that place. Your relationships won't thrive. Your career is not going to thrive. Your spirituality is going to suffer. Everything suffers when you live from a place of survival because living from a place of survival means you're living from a place of fear. And you have to have that conversation with yourself. And I had to have that conversation with myself. And I think the depression that I've experienced has been going on from a young age and it's just been an accumulation of things that I've ex that I've endured traumas that I've endured my my parents separating when I was young um even even the act of my mom moving in the neighbor's dad Steve who I'm grateful for and love and who's going to be on the podcast I'm so excited to talk to my stepdad with you guys the uh, separation of my parents even my sister going off to college there was a grief in that you grow up in a household with a sibling and they leave. There's a loss experienced there and there's a grief 
on that. It's like every time you experience something traumatic is another stone that's piling on top of your soul. And you don't think you're strong enough to take all these stones off. And before you know it, all these stones accumulate. So for me, it was my parents separating, my sister leaving and going to college, me experiencing rape the first time I ever had sex. That's check out the Sickler podcast. The first time I did, I think I talked about it on Sickler's podcast, um, to being molested and abused by men, to experiencing the ramifications of that and to going even the experience of trying to heal from your trauma is traumatic. Getting therapy, even though it's a liberating uh, event and a liberating tool to implement into your life, you still can experience some grief. There's grief in revisiting your grief to, you know, relationships failing. I've had, I've lived with, you know, a few different boyfriends and those relationships failing. There's grief associated with that to, the ultimate relationship that defined all the other previous relationships and all the trauma that I experienced to that point, me having to get a restraining order on an individual who was abusive, both physically and emotionally. And even though he suffered from a incurable psychology, psychological disorder, borderline personality disorder, excuse me, nearly incurable, um, still needing to protect myself and get a restraining order on him to, my dad becoming sick with Alzheimer's disease, more specifically vascular dementia, to losing my dad in 2018, to me, even though I had a great relationship with my ex, we broke up and I lost my dad and then I lost my ex in, in a relationship and then quarantine hits and we all fucking know what that was. We all know the ramifications of that and through quarantine, my mother becoming sick and me losing my mother. And it brings me to today where all those rocks of the traumatic experiences that equal the enormity of my grief are piled on top of me. It took feeling the weight of that one day and realizing all of this weight has given birth to depression. And I didn't even know I was depressed because it was a slow build. The depression was a slow build because it's almost if you don't have the tools to unpack the trauma, it accumulates and it grows, it calcifies and it becomes a part of your entire being. It becomes a part of how you step into the world, a part of how you view yourself in the world. And that's not to say I wasn't functioning from a place of joy because at my core, and this is what I learned from this weekend with Tony Robbins, and I'll get into it more specifically in a little bit. At my core, I am a joyful, loving, smart, silly, goofy, generous, free spirit, adventurous, spontaneous, badass bitch. And I always have been. But that can get dulled by the weight of trauma. Trauma has a way of stripping the essence of who you are. And so the essence of who you are becomes replaced with the experiences that you've experienced. And now you think that's who you are because you can't see through all of it. It's so heavy and thick that your new identity is this person who has, who is broken and the trauma defi defines them. And I had to say that to myself. And 
why Tony Robbins? What did I know about Tony Robbins going into this weekend? I knew who he was. I had never watched a full seminar of his. I've only seen videos more recently, like on Instagram. You see, it's not even him. It's just his voice over a motivational 30 second video or 59 second video on Instagram. Uh, growing up, I had known who he was because he was on the Oprah show and on all the morning shows. And you just heard about him because he's been in the industry for so long. He's been uh, teaching life strategy and business strategy for over 45 years. But why me? Why did I get to Tony Robbins? How the fuck did that happen? Well, it's interesting. You look at life and you don't realize that there's these like gifts that sort of happen and you don't realize why things happen the way they happen until you look back. A bird's eye view is always, it gives birth to you realizing the reasoning behind everything. You know, hindsight is everything they say. And these things happen and you, there's a timeline to you go backwards and you're like, Oh my God, you can find the reasoning. Like I'm a firm believer that you meet somebody or something happens and it brings you to another step in your life. It becomes like your destiny. It becomes fate. And I'm not a religious person. I'm a, I've always been a spiritual bitch. You know, I'm a pot smoker. I think, I feel like drinkers are, are more religious <laughs> Like Catholics, so many drunk Catholics. I mean, all stoners are spiritual. Um, I had started comedy in New York and I knew this guy, Adam Glenn, for years. And Adam is hilarious and he did a lot of work with TMZ and he's also a, a really intelligent writer and journalist and all of this stuff. And I knew Adam from New York from years ago. And we always kind of like kept in touch. We'd say hello to each other once in a while and message each other and, you know, just kind of like, kept each other in the peripheral. He hits me up and he's like, I've got this really crazy, weird opportunity. And I don't even know if it's something you'd be interested in, but I thought of you immediately. And, you know, he's like, I, I'm a liaison for Tony Robbins right now. And Tony wants to have a certain amount of like type of people to the show. And I, I have the ability to invite some people to his event, his seminar. And I thought of you and I don't know if you're going to be into it. And I, I didn't, when he said that, I was like, well, I have a weekend of work. You know, I was booked. Carly and I were booked in Atlanta. And this was around the time right on the, maybe I had, like I said, realized I was depressed, but didn't quite say it out loud to myself. So already I know I'm in this weird precipice. I'm in this this crossroads in my life where I feel kind of lost. I, and I think a lot of us have felt that. I think a lot of us have had this collective grief coming off of quarantine, being just so absorbed in the COVID culture. Fuck the cancel culture. Why can't the cancel culture cancel COVID? It, it, we've been so engrossed in this limitating existence that that can, that can create this depression. I'm sure a lot of you out there have been like, yeah, fuck yeah, I've been depressed, bitch. Um, so, you know, I, when he said that, I was like, I can't, I can't cancel work. I, I, I'm somebody who I will, I've worked through illness so many times. I've worked through deaths and even happier things like births. And I've missed the birth of both of my niece and nephew, which pains me to say, 
I've missed being there for the death of my mom and dad because of work. Um, I've missed so much. And everything I've done has been for my career. And that's not to say that I'm not proud of what I've done and I would I regret anything. I'm not somebody who regrets. I, I really, uh, I, I learn from things I've done wrong. I learn the lessons and I adapt and I grow. But in this instance, when Adam offers this to me, I just think there's this, there's this subconscious part of me that's like, you got to go, bitch. Mainly because I didn't know what the fuck to expect. I, and I, I'm sitting here. I've got these booklets. <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're these, these workbooks that you get. Everyone jokes about it being a cult. It's not a fucking cult. Let me tell you, no one got fucked and there was no Kool-Aid and I didn't get a dress. I didn't get like a cool linen dress. Um, no one's telling you how to do, no one's making you do anything. There's, there's no part of this. that's a cult. It's if you want to grow and maximize your shit, you do it in ways that either that provide results or don't. And for me, I have always been somebody who sort of has gravitated towards people who are doing better than me. That's why one of the reasons why I left Syracuse. It's one of the reasons why I got the fuck out. I've always wanted more for myself and I think that's why I, I said yes to this because a, I didn't know what to expect. And I love, I'm adventurous. I'm, I'm a risk taker to me. This felt like a risk. It felt like a deviation from what I normally do, which is work. I do so much. I'm not bragging. I'm not like, Oh my God, I work so hard, but I do work so hard. And I've been thinking, well, I'm doing all this work and I don't feel any better. So obviously what I'm doing is not working for me. I'm not, I'm working harder, not smarter. Sorry, I keep pushing this new microphone so sensitive. We've upgraded. I keep working harder, not smarter. And I think that's why I said yes to this because I was like, okay, this feels like a challenge because I don't know what to expect. It feels kind of big. And how many people can say that Tony Robbins personally invited them to be a guest? This is his first live seminar back since quarantine. He's since done a bunch of digital seminars and he's been very successful at it. And the fact that I get to have this experience on a VIP level, I was like, yeah, I'm, I love VIP, bitch. I, look, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not loving the fact that I was VIP. Fuck yeah, I can't stand waiting in line. And anyone else listening like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, VIP. Yeah, you, you're just saying that because you wish you were VIP too. I've worked really hard to get where the fuck I am. I'm going to accept all the perks because I don't think they're perks. I think they're gifts and they're like a... It, it literally is the universe presenting you with an opportunity. I saw this as an opportunity. And because I didn't know what it was, it felt like a challenge to me and something new. And also not doing stand-up is such a deviation from what I normally would do that I was like, I have to do this. There's some part of me that feels like I have to do this because it feels like a, the antithesis of what I should be doing. And so I must do this. And I talked to my tour manager and I talked to Carly and I was like, what do you guys think? And they both were like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, you're being invited as a guest, something that people spend their life savings and spend a lot of money to do. You're getting to do as a gift. You should do it. And that's so anybody listening who was supposed to be in Atlanta last this past weekend, this is why. And I apologize, but we moved the date to our spring tour in 2020. It'll be so much better because Carly and I are going to be on the road together. 
So I was like, I have to do this because what I'm doing is not working. All of this grief has made me feel so lost. And it's been so, it's not that what you do should be effortless. It's that what you do, you should still find joy in. And I've struggled to find a lot of joy in all of the areas of what I do. My weeds days, the podcasts, stand up. It's been a real effort for me to find the energy to perform the way I want to perform for you guys. I'm a high energy person. I, that's how I am at my core. I'm like, I come through people have always thought every job I've had that I've done cocaine because of my energy. Naturally. I love life. I'm one of those fucking annoying people in my essence. I, I, I love, I love talking to people. I love life. That's not to say I don't have pet peeves. I can't stand when motherfuckers clip their toenails on trains and planes and automobiles. I, I can't stand when people are rude to wait, waiters and waitresses. I don't like when motherfuckers talk in a movie theater and I will yell at you. I'm not a perfect human being. I'm not this like, oh God, life is a gift. Don't be a bitch. No, there's some scenarios where you got to be like, yo, f- you're fucking gross. You're rude and you're an asshole. I am saying that I am naturally a joyous person and it has been for me coming on the heels of all of this depression because of all of the trauma I've been through and the people I've lost, it has been very laborious me for uh, laborious for me to find the energy to produce and feel the joy. And that's how I knew that's where I, when I came to the, the consensus that I was depressed because this should come easier. I, I, I was like, this isn't me. There's, you know, and it's such, it's almost like, um, when somebody gets into a relationship with somebody and they start to speak abusively to them, that can turn into them actually getting physically abused. You don't see it at first. It starts slowly. The the abuse starts slowly. There's, there's yelling and then there's grabbing and then there's manipulation. And before you know it, you're getting punched in the face and you're like, how did I get here? Well, you didn't see it in the beginning and you accepted it and it started to build up. And before you know it, you're in this scenario where you just have accepted this is your reality. It's the same with like grief. After all of that trauma, you're like, well, I guess this is it. And that's how I felt. I'm like, well, I guess this is who I am. Somebody who just can't find any fucking joy in, in what I do. And I've just been I've been fucking phoning it in. I got to be honest. It, it, and there, there's been a few times where I've felt extreme joy doing what I do because I I. I am meant to be a stand-up comedian. I am meant to be a podcaster. And even as my mom said, you know, you guys asked on a couple of those episodes a couple years ago, there was like a Q&A and somebody asked what I would be if I wasn't doing stand-up. And my mom said, like a life coach. And I have, here's the crazy thing about like full circle. I joke about myself and I call myself Boney Robbins. If you know me, you've heard me say that on this podcast. And I, I've never taken a seminar. I've never watched a fucking tape of this dude's. I'm not a, I will come out and say, I was not a fan of Tony Robbins. I did not like him, but I just said it because it rhymed. And also because what I enjoy doing is, is adding value to other people's lives. I enjoy adding value by connecting and and making you laugh. And also sharing what I've learned from my mistakes, all of it. And I joke about it on stage. I've called myself Boney Robbins. So it's so funny when my friend Adam asked me if I wanted to do this, that's why I was like, yeah, I have to do this. This is who I am. 
I need to find, I need to get back to who I am. And, and I'll be honest, before I left and Debbie, my assistant picked me up from the airport when I got back from the weekend and told her how amazing it was for me. She was like, yeah, I, I was concerned because you were, you said you were ready to quit the podcast. I'm doing all these things. And I was like, I can't do it before I left. I was like, I'm going to quit. That's really how I felt. I was like, I'm going to fucking quit. And that's how people who, who are depressed feel. Not like I was going to quit life. Um, but I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't have a, res I'm, I'm literally on a reserve tank right now. I have been functioning from a fucking reserve tank. And that's why I had to go because, you know, my father was a depressed man and I was not going to let that be my story. I was not going to let my dad's story be my story. I was not going to let myself turn out how my dad turned out because he worked too hard. My parents gave too much for me to be able to have this opportunity to support me enough to be able to have this career that I have. I'm not going to fucking throw it away. Some people work their asses off and they don't get to achieve an iota of what I've achieved. I have a responsibility to go and fucking dig in deeper. And I don't know what the fuck this weekend is, but all I know is I'm depressed. I've called myself Boney Robbins and I have a free ticket to go see him. So I'm gonna fucking go. And I told Deb before I left, I was going to quit the podcast. I came back. I'm like, bitch, we're doubling down. <laughs> we're doubling down. Okay. Um, you know, and it wasn't even, even getting there wasn't without difficulty. I get to my hotel. I'm staying in Palm beach and I couldn't even get a hotel close to where he was because there's 20, there's like fucking 20,000 people that come to town for this event. I mean, I think there was like 12,000 people at the actual show. He brings a whole small city into wherever he does these uh, seminars. So I didn't book soon enough. I had to, but I was 20 minutes away from the actual convention center. I get to my hotel. I flew all day long from LA to Palm beach and I get there and they're like, yeah, yep. We have your room. Um, we don't have water. And I was like, what? huh? You motherfuckers are a peninsula. How do you, how do you not have water? They're like, yeah, we, we, the hotel doesn't have water. The, we don't know. Uh, it's broke and it'll be $75,000 a night. So you're going to have to pay that even though you can't wash your asshole that has been sweating on a plane filled with people who probably are riddled with COVID, but so it's not our problem. You're just gonna have to deal with it. So that's that. And I was like, okay. And, and I was like, okay. I go, can I have some water bottles then? I literally go to the girl, um, uh, Jerosha was her name. Shout out to Jerosha at the Tideline Hotel. I said to her, I go, can I have some bottles of water? Cause I'm about to take a river rat bath. I'm going to take a fucking bath in the tub, like a river rat. I'm going to scooch the cooch with a splash of water. That's how dedicated I was. I was like, fuck it. No water. Cool. Give me a bottle of water. I'm going to squat and get the cooch that way. I'm going to clean the cooch like a river rat. And she's like, yeah, I can give you one bottle. I was like, <laughs> one bottle, bitch. Are you crazy? You're going to tell me this hotel doesn't have any water and all I can get is one water bottle. And her, the other guy was like, well, I think we can spare two. I was like, six. I need six bottles of water. You guys don't have any water coming through your pipes. I need six bottles of water. At the very least, you guys can give me six bottles of water. They made me feel like I was fucking Oliver Twist. I'm like, thank you, sir. May I have some more water? Charge me extra if you need to. No water. 
And by the way, I had started to feel congested. You guys can probably hear it. I, I get sinus infections every year. <clears throat> I've always gotten them my entire life. And mine started, of course, when I go to this weekend. And so I started to feel kind of like shit. There's no water. I do a river rat bath. I'm like, fuck it. It's fine. It's cool. I go out the next day in the morning. No food because there's no water. I haven't eaten. I haven't washed myself. I haven't had a hot shower. I literally was at, like, I went into this weekend at my low, at my lowest low, feeling depressed as fuck. I'm unwashed. I feel depressed as fuck. I'm unwashed. I wake up in the morning. There's no food because they don't have water. I couldn't even get a fucking hot coffee. And some of you are like, yeah, that's how people live every day in most countries. Touche. But this is my low according to what I'm used to and where I've been raised and, and what I've experienced. It's all relative and it's all perspective as well. But still, this is my relative reality. And so I, I step out of the hotel and I got to be honest. Um, I walk out of the hotel and I still feel like I want to quit everything. And every moment where I have felt this in my career since I've started stand up, I can say if I had to put a percentage out of the times where I felt like I didn't want to continue, it would be 99% of the time this happens when I feel like I don't want to continue or do it anymore. And I normally feel this in transit when I'm coming out of a hotel, when I'm walking through an airport, when I'm at a cafe in the whatever fuck city I'm in that weekend for shows. Anytime I'm in transit and I feel this emotion of me wanting to quit, somebody always recognizes me. Every single time. Somebody always recognizes me in the moment of me thinking, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. I can think of, of a handful of times. There's one time I was walking through an airport. I think I was in uh, New York, probably coming back to LA. And I was like, fuck. And that cross, that, that cross country flight is so long. And I was like, fuck, I can't, I can't. And this girl comes up and she's like, oh my God, I love you. I've been, I didn't want to come up and say anything to you because I know what it's like to travel and it must be weird to have people recognize you. She was so enthusiastic about me, a stranger, so enthusiastic about me that it made me feel like, why am I not enthusiastic about me? What does she see in me that I'm missing? Because right now I'm woe is me, but this bitch is like, whoa, it's she. She was like, whoa, it's you. And I'm like, whoa, is me. It was just a shift in perspective every single time. And so those are the moments when that happens, I keep going. I, I just accept it as universe being like, nah, bitch, we're not done with you. You're not done. You're really done. There's no way you're done because these strangers need you more than you need this victimhood that you're feeling more than you need this story that you're telling yourself. So it wasn't any different. I, I walk out of the hotel and I, I'm I, waiting for my Uber to go to this Tony Robbins weekend. And I'm just like, fuck, what am I doing here? I, I honestly was like, I should just go back home. There's no water. I was like, there's no water in the hotel room. That's a sign that I shouldn't be here. And that's when those moments happen, there's two decisions you can make. When, when, when adversity and challenges happen, you either accept it as your fate 
like, oh, this is it. This is how my life is going to be. Or you can accept it as a challenge as to what you can overcome. And I'm, I'm not impervious to feeling the weight of a challenge or of a, a, a adverse moment that I don't want to meet. There's been times I'm like, fuck, obviously I'm telling you all this to let you know that I have felt the same way as you. <clears throat> and this moment was no different. You know, I, I was like, oh, there's no water. I shouldn't be here. I walk out of the hotel. I'm like, I shouldn't be here. This guy recognizes me. He goes, hey, aren't you from that? You're from the tattoo show. Is your name Jesse May? And I was like, yeah, I'm Tony. Tony from fucking Milton, Massachusetts. Shout out to Tony. He probably doesn't even know that he did this for me or made me feel this way. But he he was he was a little gift in that moment. He was a little uh, reminder for me in that moment of me feeling sorry for myself in, in the moment of me being like, oh, I don't want to be here. I can't handle this. This isn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I can't. And he's like, Hey, I'm Tony. And we shoot the shit and we're talking shit about, you know, just everything. And I told him Tony Robbins, he made some jokes about Tony Robbins. He's like, Oh, you're going to go join a cult. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And his, he told me about his friend whose name was Tony. And then his girlfriend told me a story about some cat and her cat's name was Tony. It was like all the universe was being like, bitch go see Tony <laughs> what are you doing go see fucking Tony and it was just funny that I was like I got that little bump in that moment I was like all right fuck it and I go and it's just packed this this convention center is packed of 10,000 people um and, and Tony and I ended up taking a picture together I was trying to find it on my phone if I could see uh he, he DM'd it to me. I think he did. He sent me a photo of us and, you know, being like, hey, thanks for saying hi and thanks for, uh, oh, wait, wait, here, he, here it is. <laughs> here he is. This guy, look at us. Big lookout for them Tony Robbins fingers. <laughs> Great to meet you. Meet you. See you around the campus. Uh, go follow this guy. Anthony Fungul. What's it say? F Gowl. It looks like it says Anthony Fungul. Just uh, Tony, Anthony, you, you saved me in that moment, brother. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm sending that to him right now. You saved me in that moment. Um, he, he just was this guy, just, just a guy who wanted to say how much he enjoyed what I do. And we were making jokes about Tony Robbins, probably going to finger all of us. And that's how we joined the cult. Sorry to Tony Robbins and his wife, which she's an ethereal goddess, and uh, and Tony didn't do that to us. I get there, and it, 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 you know how I felt leading up to this event, totally depressed and down, 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 deeper than I've ever been, and actually admitting that I have been down. And the energy there was just so amazing. The energy there was, right when I walk in, it just felt better. Did I turn the fucking microphone? I, I got to stop touching shit. It just felt electric. People were excited. There was people, you could tell people were looking forward to doing some work on themselves. And I get my, you know, my, my lanyard and I'm feeling, I'm feeling all VIP cause I'm in Tony's friends and family section. And you know, there's a platinum section where people spend like a hundred thousand dollars a year 
to be able to get access to all of his seminars and all of his webinars and have coaching by him. And then there's another level of, of, of billionaires and rap artists and athletes and Olympians who pay him a million dollars a year for coaching. And you're probably like, what the fuck? Can't they just read a self-help book? Some people can't. Look how many people live below their emotional and spiritual and financial ability. There's access to all the information. Sometimes the access to the information isn't enough. You need to take it a step further. You know, we accept we accept the limits that we have learned and we have acquired from ancestral trauma and what our parents have been told to themselves they teach to us. So we're we're accepting what we keep telling ourselves we're worth. And I go and I get in and I'm sat in this section you know, I'm literally next to this woman, Jamie Kern, Jamie Kern. I can't even say her name. She uh, created it cosmetics and I'm sitting next to her. I meet her and she, she, Jamie Kern Lima, amazing, just a beautiful soul. Uh, just speaking to her, I could, I could sense her energy and who she was as a person. And she's worth a billion dollars. This beautiful accessible, bright human soul, a billion dollars just sitting right next to me. The only time I've ever sat next to a billion dollars is, uh, never not even I have, I was trying to think of like being in first class and maybe the, the fart, the ghost of a fart left over from a billionaire. But then I realized billionaires don't fly first. They fly private. So I've probably been in the ghost of a fart of a financial advisor of a financial advisor of the financial advisor to the billionaire. That's how far removed I've been my whole life. I've never been close to a fucking billionaire because if I have, I would have made him my husband. And here I am next to a female billionaire and I'm like, Oh shit. Uh, besides one of the Kardashians and Rihanna, I was like, I haven't seen this so often. This is amazing. And Oprah, this is inspiring. And on the other side of me is, um, this, this amazing gentleman and his wife, uh, Nick, Nick Santo and Santon Astacio, who is a speaker. He is a paraplegic and the brightest spirit ever. Here's this person who has no limbs filled with love and joy and his amazing wife next to him. And then I'm in the middle and then the billionaire. And it was almost like the universe being like, look how much gratitude you can have having less than most people have and what you can build from. And here's where you can aspire to be. And I'm in the middle. And I was just like, okay, let, let's do this. Here's this ha- happy motherfucker with no limbs, with the most beautiful wife ever. I can't remember her name. Oh my God. Why can't I remember her name? Katie. It was Katie. She showed me, she had these amazing boots. I was like, bitch, I need your boots. Um, she was so beautiful. She's listening. I, I apologize. I can't remember your name. I'm still mastering memory. And, you know, literally just sitting here, I'm like, how, how am I here? Because obviously I'm meant to learn from people like this. I'm, I'm meant to learn from, from this scenario. And, and 10,000 other people. The, and let me tell you, if you're like, what's a Tony Robbins 
seminar like pure energy pure fucking energy insanity and just people going insane and you're like oh they're just there's fans of tony robbins i'm sure there's a couple of them that are fans of tony robbins but let me tell you that's not a cheap ticket i think the cheapest ticket is like 1200 bucks oh why would he charge so much for that because he's getting rid of the fucking riffraff he doesn't want motherfuckers coming with you know getting drunk and doing shots and showing up these are people who want to make real change in their life it's not a cult it's it's so far from what I thought it was going to be. And and I honestly, I let go of all of my preconceived notions of what I thought was going to happen. And I just allowed what happened to happen to me. And I think that's why I was able to get so much from the weekend because I went in the only way I could have at my lowest, raw, exposed, and open, which sounds like I just described my vagina, but I didn't. It was my soul. And it was... It, 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 the fact that I had a sinus infection, didn't have any sleep. There, I didn't have a shower. Tony goes on stage 10 a.m. And it, it, we're at 10. You know, we're jumping and there's music and he doesn't waste any fucking time. The whole event is so um, demanding physically, emotionally, and mentally. And he does that strategically to deplete you. Because only when you deplete yourself can you really realize what you're worth. Only, only when you push yourself further than you've ever pushed do you start to grow and change and realize, oh shit, I can do anything. It's almost like military training or how Navy SEALs train. And that's why they train them that way. Just when you think you're at your limit, you, put, you have to push yourself a little bit further. You have to to achieve the goal. And that's what happened this past weekend. And that's why they do that. That's why they exhaust you. That's why they push you and why the challenges and the seminars are so deep so that you go further than you've ever gone before. And I chose to dig in and dig my heels in and approach it with full conviction because otherwise, why am I here? All these people, people out there who had to spend their money, a lot of people spend their last dollar to go there. If they did that, I certainly can show up on a free fucking ticket with everything. And I did that. <clears throat> And it was exhausting, exhausting. It felt like a fucking rock concert from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. And at the end of the day, I was like, what? At the end of day one, I was like, what the fuck just happened? At the end of day one, almost like a light switch went on in me. Almost like a fucking light switch. The, the end of that day one, I felt more like myself than I had felt in years. Wouldn't it be funny if I was like, and now if you guys could just please give me your credit card numbers and donate $1,000. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to do anything. This is not a sales pitch. I'm not going to tell you, you got to go to Tony Robbins. No, that's not what this is about. I'm only telling you what my experience was and what it did to me. It kicked me on my, it kicked me on my ass. It made me think, oh, you're at your lowest. No, you, you can go so much further. You have so much more to do. I got a fucking massage from a paraplegic. <laughs> a really good one. And we smiled and laughed through it. <laughs> 
Nico Santana Tasso and his beautiful wife. I got a massage from him. There's this part in the seminar. Now you're like, okay, wait, what the fuck is going on? It's just a way to wake everybody up. And you're like, okay, oh, you're massaging each other? Are the lights down? Is I, I can't, it's out of context, but it's just a way to like make you laugh and loosen you up and get you uh, uncomfortable. This whole weekend was about making you uncomfortable because only when you're uncomfortable do you grow. You don't grow from comfort. And it's not that you don't deserve comfort, but you don't grow from it. And what happens so much is when we're going through grief and experiencing trauma, we seek out comfort because it's safe, because it requires less of us, because it's a place for us to go where we don't have to face what the reality is and we don't have to grow. You don't grow from comfort. You only grow from being uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable all fucking weekend. I didn't shower that first night. I had barely eaten because there was no food at the hotel and there was minimal food that I like to eat at the event. I mean, there were options, but I kind of eat within a certain, um, I like to, you know, maintain my diet somewhat. And I was uncomfortable all weekend. The sinus infection, lack of sleep. I'm in the seminar alone. I was so uncomfortable. Every moment, I the entire weekend, I was so uncomfortable. I had no choice but to grow from it. And at the end of that first day, I had, I had more energy at the end of that first day than I have had this entire, that, 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 that I can remember having. I pushed myself and I pushed myself and I was like, this is who I am. I'm a badass bitch. Just when I think I can't do it anymore, I can. And, you know, it made me, it was, it made me think of the USO tour, which required a lot from us. You know, the tour I did with Wilmore Valderrama and Sean White, Milo, um, uh, uh, Milo Ventimiglia and Kelly Pickler. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm still working through this sinus infection. I, Honestly, that USO tour really pushed me hard because it was the same thing. You know, we were flying from Norway to Afghanistan and Iraq and Bahrain and uh, we were in Poland and you know, all over the place. And we had to hop from country to country in, in a C-17. And then we're, you know, on the aircraft carrier in the middle of the Gulf. And then we had to, you know, fly on a cod to land on the aircraft carrier like all of my body got so jolted and we were sleeping in barracks and on cots and not in the most comfortable ways and sometimes you had to sleep in transit so that pushed me i grew a lot from that this was 10 times more than that which is insane because i think a part of me did the uso tour to for two reasons, to, to escape the grief because my father had just died that year when I went on the USO tour. But also to do something I learned in researching grief, which was one of the ways to heal from grief and to cope with grief is to do something different and change your traditions that are associated with whatever the loss was. And normally on the holidays, I'm with my family, but because my dad died, 
I had chosen in that year to shake it up and go do the USO tour. So the reasoning for doing that USO tour was both to avoid grief and to face grief. And this weekend, and I grew so much from so much from that weekend with the USO and this weekend with the Tony Robbins experience, I chose to do because I had nowhere else to go in my mind. I had nowhere else to go. I literally was almost on my knees with myself. I wasn't having fun with friends. I was, I was phoning it in in every fucking area. And I felt guilty and shameful doing that because it wasn't who I was. If you feel guilt and shame, it's because you are going against your very nature. You're allowing your thoughts to dictate how you do and how you live. Your thoughts are not who you are. Your thoughts sometimes aren't even your own. They're things that have been told to other people and they tell it to you. And that's the story you tell yourself is some other fucking somebody else's story, which isn't even their story because it was something that was told to them. We're living our life based off of hearsay, not our truth. And I learned my truth is joy. I am a joyful fucking person. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. You heard Joe Rogan say it. Jesse, Jesse May Peluso was a nice person. Anybody, any enemy of Jesse May Peluso's is an enemy of mine because that's who I am. And after that first day, I was so shook up that I, I was like, I, this is who I am. It, it reintroduced me to myself. Let me reintroduce myself. My name is Jay. Oh, I found who I was again in this experience and Tony speaks he spoke all day long I I was like this 61 year old motherfucker he's got all these kids he's got ex-wives he's doing (coughs) this live seminar he does his webinars and his personal coaching and he does life strategy and business strategy to fortune 500 entrepreneurs and athletes and Olympians if this motherfucker This 61-year-old grandfather who's fit, built like a brick shithouse, if he can show up with all this energy, my 39-year-old ass, what excuse do I have? What what the fuck have I been doing wrong? He comes out and if you, that's why you want to keep going. You're like, this motherfucker's 61 years old. I got to keep jumping. It's like when you're working out at the gym, you work out harder if there's other people there. And that's how I felt. And he says energy is the single most important key to success. And that's so true. And it's not just having energy. It's your energy. What energy do you bring? Because the energy that you bring will create the environment. It's like walking into a room. It's my, one of my favorite sayings. There's three types of people in the world when they walk into the room. There's a person who walks into the room and makes it better. There's a person who walks into the room and doesn't change it. And there's a person who walks into the room and makes it worse. What energy are you bringing into the world? What energy are you bringing into the room? Your energy dictates your entire existence. And that's one of my huge takeaways from this weekend is I'm a high energy bitch by nature. (coughs) I apologize. Thank you for sticking through with my sinus coughs. I'm a high energy bitch human naturally i've been my whole life 
I remember one of the first times I had so many epiphanies through the weekend and just going in, knowing I call myself bony Robbins. Um, and Tony started off talking about grief and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, obviously there's a ton of people who are there because of grief, but he was talking about high energy and energy. My energy had been so depleted because I've been telling myself this story and allowing myself to believe that I am the entirety of my grief that I've experienced, that all of the trauma is who I am. That's what I've been telling myself. And that's, that's why I've gotten to a place of depression that, that, that's, that, that's my reality. That's the energy that I've been bringing. And that's why I haven't had any energy because I've believed this state that I've been in. And when he was talking about energy <clears throat> and the value of it and how important it is to success, it made me think about a moment in my life. It made me think about this one very pivotal moment. <laughs> this one very <laughs> pivotal moment in my life. The first time I ever did stand-up, and some of you may know this story. I've told it before. The first time I ever did stand-up was when I was living in Boston. I was about 19 years old. Um, I think it was February of the year that I was 19. My dad had traveled from Syracuse. He drove from Syracuse to Boston to stay with my boyfriend, Randall, and I in our one-bedroom condo on Mass Ave in Boston, Massachusetts. Actually, in Alston. Shout out to everybody in Alston. Shout out, shout out. Maddie's Lickers. I lived right near Maddie's Lickers. Um, my dad traveled to spend time with me there to see my first stand-up performance. Because I think he knew he was very influential in me choosing this career because he was the one who exposed me to it. When I was young, my father was friends with all these stand-up comedians in Syracuse, New York. You know, Nick Mara, Gomez Adams, Moody McCarthy, Mike Goss, the late, great Mike Goss. My, my dad was friends, uh, Tom Anzalone, all these guys that are from Syracuse, my dad was friends with. And my father used to go away on weekends with Mike Goss, actually, a stand-up comedian. <clears throat> my dad would go and spend the weekend with him at his shows. And my, because of that, my dad introduced me to these stand-up comedians. And we when they would go out on the weekends, they'd come back and they'd all have a breakfast on Sundays. I think it was at Friends Diner in um, Lynn Court, New York which is on the north side of Syracuse, New York, this little just greasy spoon diner, which are my, to this day, my favorite types of diners. If it smells like grease and bacon, I want to be there. I just, I love coming out of a diner and smelling like it. It's just one of my favorite places and types of restaurants to eat at. And I'd go there with my dad on Sundays and all the comedians, just me, you know, 15 year old, 14 year old, 12, 11, 13 year old, Jesse May. Well, I was Jessica at the time. My real name is Jessica May. Um, just sitting there around the table of these male comedians and, and, and wondering where the fuck they were and how they made this money and were able to leave this town that I thought had limits to it. This town that because of the era I grew up in, I didn't really know that there were other things going on. We didn't have a strong cultural a community or society in Syracuse. So these guys were my access to the outside world. And they'd come in telling stories of their weekend and they'd bust balls and they'd laugh. And because I had already learned this conditioned response of getting attention from laughter, I saw my dad laughing and it even drew me more into what they did for a living because of my connection with it all. And that's how I discovered stand-up comedy. And so I think my father, 
felt a pride in coming to Boston on that weekend because he knew that he was the introduction to me wanting to do this in the first place. And so I think he felt pride and he felt um, intrigued and, and just wanted to support me. And I have my first five minutes on video. I, I, I Randall has it and we're trying to figure out a way to, to translate it to modern technology. Cause it was done on, I think a uh, fucking, I think it was made on a, uh, papyrus i think it was actually etched into stone at the time but i did a five minute set i performed it and at the end of it my dad and there's a video of this me in the car and we're my dad's in the front seat randall's driving and i was like what'd you think dad and he was like you were great you know why you were great hun because you had high energy that's what made you different from everybody else and that always stuck in my head and that popped back into my head in this moment with Tony Robbins and him just talking about the importance of energy and me realizing that I naturally have that energy. I just lost it along the way. I lost it along the way because I allowed myself to tell a story of who I was and who I'd become. And I had allowed myself to allow the pain of things that have happened to me to define my existence and my reality. And I got really fucking low. I got really low, you guys. Fucking really lonely. Blaming myself. Waking up in the morning like, why the fuck aren't my parents here? What the fuck did I do? Why me? Why do other people's parents are alive to 95 and fucking 102? This bitch is 102? Dancing? I just was so, I was the victim. I had told myself, I had made myself convinced that this was just going to be my reality from now on, just waking up sad every fucking day. And I know that grief is a process. I know it evolves, it ebbs, it flows. But I had experienced so much, like all of us have individually, that I allowed it to weigh me the fuck down. I allowed it to mask my true inner essence <clears throat> and my energy and who I am at my core. And I forgot who I was. I had forgotten who the fuck I was. And so many things happened throughout his seminar and teachings. He even talked there. I, I wrote them down in a, in a journal. He's, he spoke about men and women and, and talked about how women don't feel safe. And, and those of you who know my stand-up know I talk about this. How women walking to their car is a lot different from a man walking to his car. Those of you who know my stand-up know this joke. And how he talked about the reason why women don't feel safe. And that's the biggest difference between men and women. That women are prey. You guys know I talk about how women are born prey. There were so many moments that I felt like the universe was like, see, bitch. You see, not that there aren't, there aren't any coincidences in life, but you have a purpose. And there, even if it's your, even if you, your purpose is to make doilies on Etsy, even if your purpose is to be a male person, even if your purpose is to be a, a taxi driver, you got to live it fully. You've got to step into that moment and do it with complete com fucking conviction. Whatever you choose, you better do it with full fucking attitude and energy.
or change it and do something else. If you're not doing what you're meant to do fully, you're fucking wasting your time. And that's what, what I learned from this weekend is I haven't been doing it fully. And, and if, uh, right. A lot of you are probably like, yeah, but you've been through a lot. Yes, I have been through a lot, but I can keep, that's what I've been telling myself. That's my whole point. Whatever you tell yourself is how you live. I've been through a lot. So when I go out thinking that, yeah, I've been through a lot and I've been allowing it to be my narrative. Well, I can't do this today because I've been through a lot. No, I'm not going to read that book because I've been through a lot. I'm tired, so I'm going to sit down on the couch and watch Netflix because I've been through a lot. Or you can take the same story and change the perspective of it. Yeah, I've been through a lot. I can share it with other people. Fuck yeah, I've been through a lot. I'm strong. Look what I've accomplished having been through so much and I'm still here. Yeah, I've been through a lot. I'm going to go through more. Yeah, I've been through a lot. I'm a badass bitch. The same thing you're telling yourself, you can change what it means. It's all about the meaning of it, what it means to you. If it means that you're a victim, you're going to live your life like a victim. If it means you're a victor and you've achieved, you're going to live your life like an achiever. And it's not so simplistic that, oh, just like that, it's done. It takes daily practice. It takes daily effort. It takes daily giving a fuck. And I haven't given a fuck like I should. I haven't given a fuck like the way I can. And a lot of you will probably be like, oh, you're just hyped off of this Tony Robbins weekend. Yeah, I am. I am fucking hyped. I am hyped because that motherfucker shook me to my core. And for some reason, he invited me. For some reason, I, w I chose to do it. I was able to do it. There's all these moments in life where when something happens to you, it's an opportunity. And if you're not in the right mindset, you won't see it as an opportunity. You'll see it as something that is like happening to you. And he talks about this, life happening to you. Life is happening for you. And when you start realizing life is happening for you, you'll start to recognize these hardships as opportunities to achieve something, to grow, to change. I have felt this past year, I just talked about this to Tully on my other podcast, The Deuce. This entire year, I have felt that not even just enti this entire year, from the beginning of us talking today, the accumulation of what I've experienced has brought me to a moment right before I realized and said to myself that I am depressed, that I have felt like leading up to that moment that I am in the middle of a field and around me is a forest, a dense forest, and I don't see a path through. I don't see a path through the trees at all. I haven't felt, that's how I felt. I've just felt lost in this field with no direction forward. And this weekend, you know, there's been like little times when the trees have kind of parted and I've sort of seen opportunities and things, but I haven't really walked in one single direction with full conviction yet. This weekend, it, it excavated who I am at my core. And because of that, there's a parting in the trees now and I see a path and it's to Jesus Christ. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> if you guys could please reach under your chair, there's a pamphlet. No, it's, it's to freedom. It's through myself that I know that, that that is the, the way 
back to who I am at my core, this joyful, adventurous, fun, silly, smart, intelligent, spontaneous, badass bitch. She's still there. This weekend just unearthed her and really made me realize that I don't, there's nothing else that I haven't lost myself. I just got a little lost. And I thought, it's also on the weekend of my mom's death anniversary, which is hard for a lot of people. You start to experience a lot more of the emotions that you felt at the beginning of them when they, uh, of their death. And those of you out there who have experienced this know what I'm talking about in, in dates, you know, the date of their death, their birthday, the holidays, even any significant date can bring up a grieving moment. And let me just break down the timeline for you. I did with my assistant and both her and I were just like, holy fuck. We didn't even realize like how heavy everything was in a short amount of time for me. So uh, my birthday is September 16th. Last year when I filmed Netflix was my birthday. A day later, my mom went into the hospital and My dad's birthday was September 30th, but he had already passed. So I'm dealing with my mom being sick and then my dad's birthday being around. I can't celebrate it with him experiencing that. And then my dad's death anniversary is October 29th. And I experienced that emotion. And then my mom died on November 13th. And I experienced that emotion. Then my mom's birthday is on November 27th, not to mention Thanksgiving and then Christmas right after. So all these significant days and dates, just you experiencing and feeling the loss of what they are and what they were is heavy. And and I've been so heavy these past few months, like just the accumulation of that realization, that timeline, both Debbie and I were like, holy fuck. It's just been like, bam, bam, bam. And each hit is just down further and further. And when I really realized that my mom's birthday was this weekend was when I was away. That's why I say, I mentioned like these little moments, you don't realize the value of them until you look backwards. Um, I was in, Rhode Island doing shows at the Comedy Connection. Shout out to everybody who came out and sold out those shows. They were so much fun. Shout out to Corey at the Comedy Connection for always being so supportive. My Two of my best friends, my longest friends, Alicia Zoidis and Aaron Birmingham. Yep, going to say them by name because they're amazing. Uh, We were having brunch and I was telling Aaron about what I was going to do. And she was like, oh my God, that's going to be so amazing for you. It's your mom's, her death anniversary. And I... Up into that moment, I had been so caught up in grief that I didn't even remember when my mom died. And I started crying right then. I was like, holy shit, it's my mom's death anniversary weekend. And then it all kind of felt purposeful. It all felt like a culminating to a moment that I was meant to experience. And in that moment, I had fully accepted I was going to go and, and experience this fully present. And on Saturday, which was the day, you know, of my mom's death anniversary, November 13th, Tony's on stage 
talking and something flies by him and i'm like is somebody throwing something i was like oh god is that a thong some woman's just shooting a bra at him i'm like all right i gotta leave something flies by his face and i couldn't quite see what it was and then it flies by me and it's fluttering all around right in my area just kind of dancing around in the air and i look at it and it's a fucking dragonfly and those of you who know me know my mom and i had two matching tattoos this was we got this tattoo on my birthday two years ago and my first tattoo i'll show you it's a dragonfly my mom and i had when i was 18 we got this matching dragonfly together and here's this fucking dragonfly in the middle of a convention center in October, in November, see, I don't even know what day it is. I still don't know what was her death anniversary. Just flying around me. Just fucking flew around me. And then it was gone. And, you know, you can say, oh, that, oh, it's a coincidence. That's how you live your life. You choose to live your life thinking things are coincidences instead of realizing that they are gifts and they are uh, an opportunity to do so much, an opportunity to feel grateful, an opportunity to challenge yourself, an opportunity to make a connection, an opportunity to challenge yourself, an opportunity to change and grow. And in that, in, in that fucking moment, I literally, when I saw that dragonfly, I said to myself, I am going to let go. I made the, I made the promise to myself and the acknowledgement that it was time for me to show the fuck up. That I took that as a sign of my mom being like, I am with you, you silly little girl. I'm still with you. Look, I'm fuck I'm in this fucking convention center filled with these with this whole cult. <laughs> I'm here with all of these motherfuckers. I'm here for you. I'm always gonna be with you. And then the dragonfly was gone. And I just was, I'm alone. I had made friends. I made so many amazing friends from this weekend. And I'm there alone and experiencing this. And I just decided in that moment, I am not who I, th who I have been thinking I am. I am not the culmination of these emotions that I have experienced. I'm going to take what I have felt, what I have been through, and I'm going to use it as fuel to propel me to continue along this path that I've been chosen for. This path to experience and be fully in a moment and express myself to allow strangers and people who come to see me to, ex to experience and express joy. That's who I'm put on this earth for. And seeing that fucking dragonfly was just the, the sign that I needed. The, it was the stamp on the weekend for me to let the fuck go. I'm so much of us experiencing grief and trauma we look for the trauma and we'll find it everywhere because it validates us experiencing the trauma and feeling the trauma because we don't want to grow and it, i could have looked at that dragonfly and been like oh my mom is dead yep see she's still dead instead i was like no she's free she's flying around and she is free and i am free i'm gonna free myself from the shackles of this grief. You've got the key. All of us have the key to our own shackles. We put our shackles on. And you can free yourself if you choose to. It's all about making a decision. 
You just have to be decisive and, and know why you're making this decision and, and do it with full fucking conviction. And I did that in that moment. I was like, you know what? She's right. I don't need to, to experience this grief to feel connected to her anymore. I don't need to be sad in a way that I feel like I'm honoring her. So, so many of us stay in our sadness and stay in our grief because it makes us feel connected to the lost ones, the ones that we love and the moments that we lost and everything that we lost. That's our, our way of feeling connected. I'm done with that shit. It's too fucking heavy. It's too heavy. I'm sick of drowning in it. I want to float in it. I'm cool floating with it. I'm cool sitting. Like I will experience grief if I can be on an inner tube, sipping a drink like, hey, bitch, the grief is under me. It's still around me, but it's under me. I'm not drowning it in it anymore. Now I'm enjoying it like a fucking vacation. <laughs> and as we know, sometimes on vacation, there are challenges and bumps in the road and challenges that make it difficult to experience complete joy at all the time, all the times, but there's still, uh, you're still honoring it without it being the thing that's weighing you down. And that's what I chose in that moment. And I realized why I was there and I was able to be even more present and I was able to go deeper. I honestly, I was, I felt like I was set free after seeing that fucking dragonfly that I thought I experienced by myself. And even though I experienced it by myself, I was like, that's fine. This is why I'm here. And in my ability to see it as an opportunity to experience a freedom in this grief is 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 all of the value that I needed is all the reason I needed to be here this weekend and I gotta tell you Tony's energy is something that you couldn't bottle because it would shatter the glass there's not there's no way you can bottle that guy's energy and that's why he does what he does that's why he reaches the people he reaches because he is exuding all of this energy that I know I exude too, that I have the ability to embody as well. It's why I'm good at what I do. I'm a magical bitch. I have it on my mirror. I bought it from Marshall's. Shout out to Marshall's. You know, I love a good ass inspirational plaque. Look, bitches love to go to Marshall's. They get, you know, you get a couple glasses of wine, either bring them into Marshall's with you if you want or have them before and you go and you buy all the plaques you need. Mine is on my mirror. It says you are magic. I am magic. And I forgot it. I forgot it. I stopped saying it to myself. And this weekend reminded me that I am magic. Oh, look at our guy, Tony. Our Tony responded. He said, the bright side is you survived the seminar. <laughs> See, the, the language, the language you use determines the life you live. And he said, you survived the seminar. So many of us... <clears throat> are just surviving. And I've always talked about this in my own life. It's not about survival. It's about thrival. I talk about thrival all the time for myself. This is indicative, <clears throat> indicative of how a lot of people speak. The language you use determines the life you leave, you lead. And honestly, I have just been surviving. There are moments of me feeling like I thrive, but I haven't been fully convicted in them. Because you can't survive sometimes. Because sometimes it's still a limited term. Sometimes gives you an out. 
sometimes allows you to get lazy. Oh, sometimes I do it. Kinda. Half-ass it. It's, it's gotta be all or nothing. And I used to look at people who are all or nothing and be like, oh God, all right, we get it. Sit down. Now I fucking understand. Those are the people who exceed Kevin Hart. That mother, look, are you kidding me? Kevin Hart. He walks into a room. He is Kevin Hart. I always think about jo Joan Rivers. When I leave the house, I am always Joan Rivers. That's what she said. Every time I leave the house, I am Joan Rivers. And I think about that times when I want to fucking phone it in. And I haven't been Jesse Mae Peluso. I haven't been Jesse Mae Peluso every time. I give myself an out. And when we use language like survived, it's giving yourself an out. Oh, well, at least you survived it. Fuck that. Fuck that. I want to thrive in life. Because I know I can. And if I can, experiencing what I've experienced, going through losing my parents and my mom moving this, the neighbor's dad in, going through rape first time I ever had sex being raped experiencing having to get a restraining order on somebody and dating men who are abusive and losing my dad watching him wither away and and losing my mom in the middle of of me filming one of the best shows and opportunities that I could ever be involved with all of those things could just make me have an excuse as to why I can't continue on and, and become, become who I, who I want to become. No, that I survived those things. Fuck that. I thrive through those things. I am who I am because of those things. I don't regret one of those things happening to me because they didn't happen to me. They happened for me so that I could be here today so that I can show you that you can go through these horrible experiences in life and realize that they are opportunities for growth and change and connection and contribution. And I just lost that, but I found it this weekend. And I, I can't express enough gratitude to, to Adam and to Tony and to Sage, Tony's wife. I walked fire with Tony motherfucking Robbins. <laughs> Something I never knew I wanted to do. I've seen it happen before. I saw clips and there's that gif of Oprah, you know, Oprah walking the fire. And I never thought anything about it in my life. I'm like, oh, that's cute. I got to walk it with Tony. It was so pivotal. You know, it was so pivotal for me. Such a, an amazing moment that I didn't even know I needed. He literally set my ass on fire. He brought... He helped me realize that my fire was still lit. You ever set a fire? You ever go camping and you let it burn out and the coals are still hot hours later? I feel like everybody's coals, there's still heat to. We just need these tools to help bellow the flames a little bit. We just need to start adding the things that can build the fire. Everyone always has a fire inside us. It just gets a little dulled. And this weekend was a, a treasure, a treasure trove of tools that set my fire of uh, ablaze. And it's not that that's just going to continue. I have to create the momentum to continue that myself. I have all the tools. I am the one that has to step into that. I am the one that has to commit to that. And that's where the victimhood has to go bye-bye. 
No more outs. The language you use is the person who you will become. If you speak limited, you will live limited. So while I will continue to grieve and I will continue to experience grief and feel grief, it will not define me. I will not be leading a grieving life. I will be thriving in learning how to turn the grief into something that is useful for myself through my art, through my connections, my relationships, my friendships, my love, my family. Because that really is why I'm here on earth. I have always felt that I was meant for something. I've always felt this little girl from Syracuse, New York, raised by working class parents, both had multiple jobs, lived in a very, you know, conservative upbringing. We weren't without, but we didn't have everything. Little old me. I am, I always knew I was meant for something greater. And this weekend just fucking reminded me of that. Grief can be a real veil to your true essence if you allow it. And that's the thing. You have a decision. You have a fucking choice. You have everything you need to change the life you're, you're living. But if you tell yourself you don't, you won't. If you make yourself believe that you don't have what it takes to change, you never will. If you decide that you can't change, you won't. You've got to change your language to live the life that you were meant to, to live. And, and that's, uh, it's so vulnerable. Vulnerability is, is ironically been something that's hard for me because I don't know if I've ever truly been vulnerable because I haven't really realized why I, I have felt the way I've felt until I actually admitted to myself that I was depressed. Until I really allowed myself to feel those feelings. And I, I got to meet Tony after. He was gracious enough to have us come back and say hello. And I told him, every, you know, in the matter of minutes, everything I've said to you guys now in this hour. And he just was so sweet and kind and, you know, said he wanted to see my stand-up and maybe we can work together and was so generous and sage his wife is a she's a living goddess i told her about the dragonfly i told her the story and she saw the dragonfly as well she saw it i'll play you guys what she said this is very personal she was so sweet to take time to send me a voice note You know, it's crazy. I cannot believe that we both saw it. When I saw that um, dragonfly flitting up against the screen and I was like, wow, spirit is speaking to someone. And I got chills and then kind of let it go. And I can't believe that through grace, uh, that was a conversation and your sweet mama and you have that tattoo. Uh, life is truly happening for you, for us. And it's gorgeous how spirit speaks to us and communicates and lets us know that um, she, he is right with us. I mean, for her to take time out of her day, can you imagine how busy these people are? How many people probably want something from them? And they're not to mention their family. They have a new baby. 
it's this, it's little things like this that are the gifts and opportunity for you to keep going. So now instead of me thinking, Oh God, Oh man. well, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. I how can I, I'm, I'm filled with this new level of gratitude and purpose that was in me. Just the veil of grief made it hard for me to see it. And this weekend it kicked me in my ass and it, it honestly brought me back to fucking life. And it's been, uh, so if you guys have listened and have watched me, you know, with my charity, with Weeds Day, where we raise awareness for Alzheimer's and the podcasts and my live tours, maybe you've noticed. And, and from now on, there's no part of me that ever wants you to notice anything about me other than the fact that I am thriving. I'm in the moment and I'm giving you everything I fucking have because I know I'm good enough for that. I know I'm capable of that. And I know that's why I'm here. So I want to thank you guys for your patronage, for your support, for all of your messages. I read your messages, your DMs, your emails, your, your, you guys call the podcast. Please call the podcast. I'll I'll play the the messages. It's um five one six nine uh, 513-916-0930. All your messages you send me, I get them. I see them. I read them. I appreciate you so much. I do this for you. Before when I started doing stand up, it was to get love. It was to get love because even though. My parents loved me. I was neglected because they were going through their own trauma. They were going through their own individual struggles and the relationship was falling apart. So I wasn't getting the attention that I needed. And so I found stand-up as a way to get love. And I would do anything to get a laugh. But now, now I know I have love in me. I don't need to do stand-up to get love. Now I do stand-up to give love. Now it's about me giving something to you guys. Now it's about me processing what I've been through, learning and using those tools so that you guys know that you're not alone. So, you know, you can laugh at the hardest, most painful experiences that you will experience. And so that you know that you can thrive on the other side of that shit. All of my girls that have been through sexual assault and, and men who have been through hard relationships and everybody who, have, who has lost anybody, to know that you can find a real purpose through that pain is, is why I do what I do now. It's not to get love. It's to give love. And I, I feel so grateful that I now have reintroduced myself. My name is Jay. (laughs) That I just, I, I met myself this past weekend. I was like, Oh, what's up, bitch? Right, right here. I was like, hey, bitch, how are you? It's good to see your back. That's how it felt. Like, it's good to see your back. So I want to thank you guys so much. I want to thank you for listening, for supporting, for being there, and and continue to to keep going and, and, and choose the life. Choose the life you want to live. And, and, and really think about how you're speaking to yourself in the morning, what your thoughts are, and... I also, I just want to tell you guys that, um, you are, you are an important part of my life and I will continue to bring you the fullest, baddest, fun, 
hilarious bitch that I can be because that's what you deserve. And, you know, on these grief survival guide episodes, we talk about um, where do we go when we die? And I still want to know what you guys think. So email me, jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. Where do you think we go when we die? Because I love hearing your versions and your ideas about that. And now after this weekend, having seen that dragonfly, I think my mom, after she has died and after she died and has passed on, has is is with me. She didn't go anywhere. She is here. And instead of me focusing on the fact that she's gone, I can remember that she is in me. She has always been in me and she will always be with me. So thank you guys so much. Um, yeah. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.